This is the G Podcast with your host, Tommy B. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is the G Podcast, episode 104, and it is colder weather, and I will tell you that I am... This is my time of the year, colder weather, the leaves are changing, we're heading to the holidays, and it is the most wonderful time of the year. And you know, each week we do news, politics, pop culture, that piping hot tea from Tanya B. And and I'll tell you, we got a just a crazy busy week. There's so much stuff happening, um, you know, in, in all facets of what we do as a podcast. Um, so we brought in a couple of experts to help us out, uh, a few guests. Coming up, um, of course, our, our panelist, uh, friend of the show, author, political and legal analyst, Harold Michael Harvey is here. And also somebody new who has, hasn't done much, but I've known her for God over 30 years. Uh, music exec, Taryn Brown, and uh, she's a PR executive and also a political consultant. Uh, she's going to come in and, and give us some insight on the uh, Travis Scott situation. So uh, Tanya B is in the building. Tanya B, how you doing? What's going on? First of all, let me give you your applause. <laughs> Yes. I'm coming to you live from Chocolate City again this week. Chocolate City, yes. And I am in the nation's capital, and it is chilly here, believe me. I bet. I bet. And you can catch the bird wire seven times uh, weekends, Friday and Saturday nights, 8 p.m. and 10 p.m., Saturday at noon, and of course, Sundays, 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. Uh, my brother from another mother is actually like at my homecoming, which I should have been at this weekend. But, but why is that? Our shared alma mater, Troy University. Shout out to all my friend, all my friends, my fam in Troy. Uh, what's up? Happy homecoming! Right above Mr. Harvey's Tuskegee, or below Tuskegee. <laughs> he know he knows about that. <laughs> and also, music oh, yeah. director uh, K Dub is in the building. What up, K Dub? Let me give you a yeah. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> K Dub, I'm gonna ask you at the end of the show, man. But I got to get your insight into that fire. Bruno Mars album with Bootsy. And I, I, I got to get your thoughts toward the end of the show. Oh, yeah. I got I mm-hmm. to ask you about that, man. Mm-hmm. And also Poetic Peace is here. She is in the building. Uh, what is it? The um, What do you call that now? Poetic Peace? It is at the uh, Overtime Bar and Grill, the second and fourth Tuesday. Let's all get together and put your hands together for Wyo. Wyo is in the building. Yeah. Wild. And so we got a jam-packed show this week. Uh, so let's jump right into it. What we'll do is go ahead and do news with Syracuse Mike. And on the other end, we'll come back to Mr. Harvey and, and just some thoughts on what's going on for the week. Here we go. News team, assemble! It's time for the Week in News with Syracuse Mike. Hip-hop star Travis Scott says he will pay for the funerals of all of the victims who died this past Friday. At least eight people were killed and hundreds were treated for injuries after a sold-out concert of about 50,000 people surged during Scott's performance at a music festival in Houston. Scott also said he will be working with an organization to make online therapy available for free to those who were in attendance. The promoters, including Scott, face multiple lawsuits. One of those suits was filed by the family of 21-year-old Axel Acosta of Washington, who died. Attorney Tony Busby. People that have been involved in crowd rush typically did not die from being trampled. They die from what is known as compressive asphyxiation, from the sheer force of all the weight of the bodies being stacked on top of them. The man who started the chase that ended with the death of Ahmaud Arbery quickly changed his story when he spoke with police and explained why he suspected that Arbery was a criminal. 
Greg McMichael was interviewed by a cop at the scene. The officer told jurors McMichael first told him Aubrey was seen on video breaking into various houses. Later, he said Aubrey was recorded entering a single home under construction a few times. Here's audio of the prosecutor questioning Officer Jeff Brandberry. Did Greg McMichael ever indicate to you at that time that he thought Ahmaud Arbery, the guy, had committed a crime that day? No, ma'am. So he didn't say the guy committed the crime of this? No, ma'am. Greg McMichael, his adult son Travis McMichael, and neighbor William Roddy Bryan are charged with murder and other crimes in the death of Arbery. Monday in court, we learned that one of the three white men charged in the death of Ahmaud Arbery told police that they had Arbery, who was black, trapped like a rat before he was shot. As the trial continues, there are growing protests in Brunswick outside the courthouse. Al Sharpton is there and said Georgia law is also on trial. Matthew Albans was the first witness who is not a police officer to testify in the trial of father and son Gregory and Travis McMichael and their neighbor, William Roddy Bryan. Albans is the man who called police to report Aubrey inside a house that was under construction. Kyle Rittenhouse testifying in his own defense told Wisconsin jurors Wednesday he had no choice but to fatally shoot two men and seriously wound a third, adding he was stopping the person who was attacking him. When defense lawyer Mark Richards told him to describe the moments immediately before he shot one of the victims, Rittenhouse began sobbing uncontrollably. <laughs> During cross-examination, the judge sent the jury out of the courtroom and blasted the prosecutor for trying to mention evidence that was excluded by an order during the pretrial. You're an experienced trial attorney, and you're telling me that when the judge says, I'm excluding this, you just to take it upon yourself to put it in because you think that you've found a way around it? Come on. As Judge Bruce Schroeder, the judge is now considering a mistrial. Rittenhouse is facing two murder counts for his actions during protests for Jacob Blake in Kenosha last summer. Saying he didn't want any more black pastors in the courtroom, an attorney for one of the three men accused of murder in the death of Ahmaud Arbery objected to the presence of Reverend Al Sharpton in the courtroom Wednesday, believing his presence could intimidate the jury. The jury was out of the courtroom when this issue was addressed with the judge. The attorney for William Roddy Bryan claimed he didn't find out until Wednesday night that Sharpton had been in the courtroom. Judge Timothy Walmsley said he was made aware Wednesday that Sharpton would be sitting in the courtroom instead of someone from Arbery's family. Walmsley said, quote, and my comment to that was simply as long as things are not disruptive and it's not a distraction to the jury or anything else going on in the courtroom, so be it. Closing arguments are expected Monday in the Kyle Rittenhouse murder trial. Earlier this week, Rittenhouse's attorneys asked for a mistrial with prejudice because of questions from the prosecutor. The judge said he would allow the prosecution time to respond and cite case law before ruling. And the death toll is now nine. Following the passing of a 22-year-old college student, she's the latest victim of Travis Scott's Astroworld Music Festival in Houston that turned deadly after an apparent crowd surge. The Justice Department has charged Steve Bannon, a top advisor to former President Donald Trump, with two counts of contempt for Congress for refusing to provide documents and testimony to investigators looking into the January 6th attack on the Capitol. A Michigan judge has approved a $626 million settlement to compensate thousands of Flint residents impacted by water contaminated with lead for years. Here's AURN's Ebony McMorris. 
12 people died from Legionnaire's disease. Thousands of others suffered from high blood levels and cognitive disorders. Nearly 80% of this money will go to those under 18. Former Michigan Governor Rick Snyder is facing two counts of willful neglect of duty for failing to protect the residents. Eight others are also facing charges. They've all pleaded not guilty. For AURN News, I'm Ebony McMorris. You know, Mr. Harvey, I I had intended to ask you this question. Um, The Flint case, uh, and they settled for under a billion. And and we're talking, what, 600 to, you know, 620, 620 million. A lot of folks are saying it's not enough. And you know what? I tend to agree, you know, considering the number of people impacted. um, Do you think, I mean, is it like... Is, is there any opportunity for recourse now that they've settled to try to go after more money for these people? You know what I mean? Once you settle, you settle. That's the agreement. That becomes an agreement, a binding agreement. So, yeah, you know, I, that's it. And uh, you would assume that during the during the negotiation phase that um, attorneys for the residents who were affected by this lead in the water uh, took everything into consideration. Um how many people, the type of injuries people were suffering now and the long-term uh, impact of, of what lead poisoning can do to the body over the course of you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road, you would think that they took all that in consideration and arrived at a, a number. Um, you know, one thing about settlements is that it, it brings uh, it, it brings a finality to the issue. Uh, and the parties agree on a number. Uh, the downside is that you never know what happens when you put the case to a jury. So, um, you know, maybe several billion dollars would have been a jury award in a situation like uh, this. Uh, and then, too, there are some factors that maybe the lay public doesn't know that the attorneys know, and that is, you know, how deep the pockets of the city um, has, mm-hmm. and it, it may be that that was a limit to the amount of insurance coverage that the city had. Okay, and so yeah. factored all that stuff in. Mm-hmm. You know, they thought that maybe this is a good way to uh, resolve this. Yeah. So let's let's say a jury did give them ten billion dollars, okay, mm-hmm. or, or a trillion dollars. Um, is there a way to actually pay that and get that money to the uh, people involved, um, you know, expeditiously? Probably not. So what is the best thing that you can do to get a, as, as large a sum of money into the hands of as many people as possible? Mm-hmm. What is that number? I don't know. I wasn't involved in the negotiations, but yeah. I think those are some, some of the things that, um, you know, that uh, council wrestles with, when trying to derive at what is the appropriate number to settle. Good deal. Good deal. And of course, that's author and political legal analyst, Harold Michael Harvey. Uh, he's the uh, Living Now Book Awards 2020 bronze medalist for his memoir, Freaknik Lawyer, a memoir on the craft of resistance. For all things Harold Michael Harvey, go to uh, haroldmichaelharvey.com and we'll make sure that we have not only uh, his website, but the essays Excellent essays he does on a consistent basis, posted on the uh, podcast page as well. And, you know, Mr. Harvey, I brought you on because um, the Arbery case, which is really the case of the three men, we only mention Arbery's name as a reference to the people that they allegedly murdered. He, the, the, the man uh, he allegedly murdered on tape. 
Um, but what are the takeaways right now? If you had some key takeaways, three or four takeaways, what would they be based on what you've seen so far, especially this week? What would you say are the key takeaways? Well, you know, uh, lead prosecutor in this case, Linda Konakoski, um, I think has done a very good job. And she, in her opening statement, which in my mind was more like a argument as opposed to an opening statement, and uh, the defense did object some, but she got away with far more in her opening statement by arguing um, the facts of the case before the jury than I would have liked for a prosecutor to do in any case that I had when I uh, was actually working as a trial lawyer. Um, but she's done an excellent job. And so she says there were five uh, driveway decisions that these three white men made that has placed their life into jeopardy. Hmm. And she says that the first one was that Greg McMichael and Travis McMichael sought to confront Ahmad with, with guns. And I think she's established that. And then she says that the, the next uh, driveway decision they made, assumption they made, was that all three tried to cut him off. And, and, the, and she has proven that they all three tried to cut him off on multiple occasions. Uh, then, um, uh, then she says the third one is that all three used their pickup trucks and the fourth one, all three trapped him like a rat, which is a uh, verbiage. I think that comes from Travis at Michael, or at least Greg met Michael telling one of the detectives in an uh, interview that they trapped him like a rat, which says what they set out to do when they left their driveway. Mm-hmm. And the fifth one being that uh, Travis uh, McMichael got out his pickup truck, of course, with the gun. And it appears from videotape, it appears that that uh, Aubrey attempted to go to um, instead of running directly towards him. Uh, once Travis got out of his truck, um, he attempted to go to turn right and go around the truck mm-hmm. to avoid him. But that when he went on the other side of the truck, Travis McMichael then uh, went in front of the truck and cut him off again when he got to the when uh, Aubrey got to the front of the truck, and of course that's when the uh, tussle over the gun ensued. So yeah. I, I think to answer your question, um, the the takeaway is that the state has established that um, these three white men made some assumptions about a black man running down the street in their neighborhood. Number one, he's black. Number two, he has no business in our neighborhood. Number three, we white, we can stop him and question him. And number four, if he runs or if he uh, puts up any type of struggle, we have the right to kill him. So those are the assumptions that they made. And I think the state has pulled those out. And I think they have also have been able to establish thus far that, um, that, that there is no self-defense, that you cannot. So the question in this case comes down to if a private citizen can interject themselves into the, into the affairs of someone else, and if that person takes exception or do not want to interact with them mm. and they get mm. their weapon, and the only way for the person to avoid being uh, shot and killed or shot and wounded severely is to attempt to wrestle the weapon away from the person, mm-hmm. you know. So, 
Um, I think that's the big issue in the case. What are you supposed to do if someone is is trying to corner you like a rat? Mm. Are you supposed to just stand there and let them corner you and shoot you and kill you? Right. So in essence, Ahmad Arbery take the weapon away from them. Yeah. Ahmad Arbery, really, if he had been alive and killed one of the men, he's probably in a better position for self-defense based on everything that occurred because he didn't initiate. In equal, but the fact that Ahmad Arbery uh, is a black man, had he taken that gun, uh, had he wrestled the gun away and, and fired or the gun accidentally fired, and killed one of them, mm-hmm. uh, then this stand your ground wouldn't apply to him. Come wow. on, let's, let's just be real. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the universe, <laughs> the world that we live in here in America. Wow. Because he was black, it would have been flipped on the other side, and white people would be screaming for Ahmad's life because they said he, he would have had no reason to kill uh, people who were in that neighborhood uh, and thinking that they had a, a right to challenge someone in the neighborhood who they didn't know. Excellent point. So, so I don't I don't know, there's no way that Ahmaud Arbery or any black person in that situation can come out of that situation alive. That's just the uh, unfortunate truth of where we are in America today. Wow. So we probably, based on what you're saying, uh, the prosecution is, is clearly making their case. They're making their case. Okay, okay. All right. So, so, you know, we'll see. We probably, we probably have a few weeks, would you say, left before closing arguments in this case? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe next week. Um, and it, it all depends. The defense case is probably going to go very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they have, they, they, uh, since they have uh, raised the issue of self-defense, they have to put up a case to establish self-defense. But now here's the quirk in the law. We all know that a criminal defendant, that the case, the state has to prove its case against the defendant beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm -hmm. But when when the um, defense put up their case uh, for for um, self-defense or for justification, they only have to that burden is only a preponderance of the evidence. Mm -hmm. So now what is the preponderance of the evidence? It is, it's, uh, it's not 50% and 51%, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not 51%. It is, it is 50.0001, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so it's just very slight evidence above 50% will, will, you will carry your burden. So they don't have very much to do to carry their burden. Okay. Yes, a slight preponderance of the evidence in their favor that um, that um, those two men had a right to um, to defend themselves. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, the other guy, uh, Roddy Bryan, he sort of is tagged along uh, with the other two because he tagged along just to to, uh, to to aid them. When he saw the black guy mm-hmm. running down the street, now the irony uh, in the fact that that Brian is involved with this is that he and Greg McMichael uh, were not on speaking terms. In fact, <laughs> mm-hmm. Roddy couldn't go to, although they were neighbors, Roddy couldn't go to Greg's house because Roddy's fiance and Greg McMichael had had some uh, bad relations, some bad words between the two. Wow! And so Roddy and Greg were not 
we're not um, friends or communicated, but they all understand skin color. And when they saw a black man running down the street in their neighborhood, they all got in their vehicles and they chased him. Okay. Wow. Wow. All right, let's look at something else. I want to look at, uh, not in depth, but because uh, we haven't really talked about it this much on the show, but the uh, the Kyle Rittenhauer, Rittenhouse situation in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, I call him Killer Kyle because that's what he did. I mean, he killed people, uh, you know, with his with his AR-15. Do you, based on, in my opinion, just based on, I think, what we're hearing, the prosecution is truly dropping the ball and losing, really losing leverage with the judge, it seems. Um, This week, constantly getting chastised. Um, Do you see Rittenhouse getting a lesser charge or this being a possible mischarge, mistrial based on everything we saw this week? It was not a good week for the prosecution, especially the crocodile tears on, on the stand. That, you know, but you know what? I mean, I'm, I'm sure the panel, Tanya B, uh, K-Dub, Y-O, y'all know. You, you, <laughs> we, you know, a dry cry. You know what I mean? No tears, just, you know, Academy Award. Okay. Do you think lesser oh, charge? The, Go ahead, Tanya the, B. That was, that was uh, one of those, I called the I'm busted cry. <laughs> you know, the baby, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was the I've been busted. Let me try to get some sympathy. And, Lord. you know, at the risk of sounding cold and callous, I have no sympathy for him. And it's interesting that I wonder how this whole thing would have, you know, have been, would have been panning out had everyone that he murdered been someone of people of color. Yeah. Yeah. So you think lesser charge? Because a lot of folks are saying the murder charge, they may have, you know, how you try up. They they may have over try overcharged, and um, it, they don't have all the proof, all the evidence to prove. Go ahead, Mr. Harvey. Before I ask you a question, fellow, that um, there's um, th- there may be less included uh, offenses here. Mm-hmm. You you made an interesting uh, comment about the judge. Mm. You say, well, the the prosecution is 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 having a tough time with the judge. Well, th- that judge is not a fair and impartial uh, tribunal. He He's yeah. not. Yeah. He, he, his uh, decisions, he has politicized this trial mm-hmm. from the get-go. Yeah. When he said that you could not could, uh, refer to the people who were shot and injured by Rittenhouse as victims, but yet the defense enable people at the protest as uh, rioters and rioters and some other word they use, uh, you know, so you use those words in front of the jury. Um, it has a strong impact. So that judge in beating up on the prosecutor, I don't think it was fair. Now, uh, you know, he, he says the clip that uh, Syracuse Mike uh, played talks about shows us where the judge says, um, you're going to go around, and, you know, are you kidding me? You're going to go and find another way to try to uh, to get evidence in that I told you, you couldn't come in? Well, hell, we lawyers. That's what we do. <laughs> That's what I would say. I'm you like, know, there's a, a line, <laughs> and the rule is, and the procedure is, you can go up to the line, just don't step across it. Right. Yeah. So that's what we do. Yeah. 
And you know, there's this there's this old adage, you know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission, particularly when you know that the court has been skewered and slanted its rulings uh, in favor of the of the defense. So you come up with a with a way that you believe you can get the evidence in. And who knows, you may catch the defense sleeping and they don't object and you get a chance to go down that pathway. Um, you know, so so I I I I don't fault the prosecutor at this point. Now, I don't think that this case has not been presented as smoothly, certainly not as smoothly as the case earlier this year that we saw uh coming out of um out of uh, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Oh, not at all. Absolutely, I agree. You know, so but but I do think that that the state actually has presented a case, okay, mm-hmm. uh, uh, for murder, and for the other charges that that still remains. Okay, uh, you know, it's a it's a thin case. It's not a a it's not a strong case for it. Mm. But they have they've established the elements to get a conviction. Yeah, will they get one? I don't know. Um, Minnesota did a much better job. I agree. Um, but yes, yeah. Yes. Keith, Keith Ellison uh, was excellent. And then yeah. Brunswick, you know, the, the 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 defense was fighting real hard in that Brunswick case, um, uh, but the but the state is, is actually has been able to thus far prove his case. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but but uh, so, but it's a little. It, this is a little rocky case yeah. over in, um, in in Kenosha. So, so, so in thirty seconds, basically, lesser charge or possible mischarge mistrial. Just a guess, and I'm, I'm not going to hold you to it. I don't it. think you're going to mistrial the case. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and if it was mistrial tried, it wouldn't be mistried with prejudice, uh, you know. Because so, uh, I I don't think the judge is going to put his reputation out there so far that he would mistry this case with prejudice, which means that the state could not bring the case back again. Right, right. So then the option for mistrial being mistrial without prejudice, which means if I mistry the case, it's got to be tried all over again. You know, maybe not before him, but uh, I'm pretty sure the state will then come back, clean up their act, Mm -hmm. and come back with a much stronger case against this guy. That was experts that they should have had to come in to maybe get evidence they wanted. Mm-hmm. Like uh, someone from Microsoft or Google who who um, who who could have explained how you um, how you pixelate pictures and that it doesn't destroy the image. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They weren't able to get some key evidence in because they didn't have anybody to authenticate um, the the process. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, so so I don't think a mistrial with prejudice for sure. I don't think a mistrial without prejudice either, because the state will simply will have cleaned up that case and will come back in with a much stronger case. And it sort of seems like, like this boy is going to walk. And, yeah. and, and so, so I think that the court, the judge will not pull the case. He'll let it go to the jury. Um, you know, so you did, you just never know what, how the jury is seeing this stuff. Now, as you guys uh, alluded to, there were no, t- Tears coming out of that boy's eyes when he allegedly broke down on the witness stand the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so I don't put much credence in it. Mm-hmm. And I and I believe like Tanya B, 
it was a I got caught moment. It was like he says, you know, now all of a sudden he's asked this question and he's got to now finally admit to himself that he's taken two lives. And so he couldn't get through it. And so he's sort of like he breaks. It's sort of like, oh, gosh, I got to admit this to myself. I got to admit this to the world. I kill those people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so and he knows he's caught. He knows that that evidence is there that you no matter how, how you try to parse it, mm-hmm. um, you know, he had his gun pointed down. That was no reason for him to shoot the guy who was charging him who didn't have anything in his hands. Yeah, so true. So true. Um, and, 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 the, and the guy whose arm he blew off, uh, bicep that he eviscerated, that guy had a gun in his hand, but it was pointed, his hand was pointed up. Okay. So there was no reason to shoot him. Okay. One more you thing. Know, one more thing. And we'll come back. Cause I, I, I do want to once it looks like Monday, I, I guess they're going to do closing arguments. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll probably bounce back to you when we do the show next week, depending on the okay. outcome. One last thing. It got about a minute, got about one minute thoughts on Merrick Garland moving on the indictment of Steve Bannon, which just hit as we tape on Sunday. It just happened Friday. Uh, in a minute. Wh- what are your thoughts? Good move. Um, and I, I, and I think, I mean, I've been, we all been waiting for it that we know when are you actually going to throw the book at people who have been thumbing their nose up at Congress and at this investigation. Uh, and you know, of course the former president has been doing it for the past couple of years with, um, uh, the, the Congress trying to get his uh, tax records and so forth. And so finally, um, you know, someone in the justice department has finally said, okay, enough of this is enough, you know, uh, report to jail. And so he'll have a hearing, I guess, on tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We'll see what um, uh, what happens there. Good deal. Y'all give it up again. Uh, just want to say thanks. Harold Michael Harvey, as always, go to haroldmichaelharvey.com. Uh, thank you, award-winning journalist, former lawyer, political pundit, novelist, essayist. I can go on and on and a good friend. Uh, thank you so much as always. Uh, you can go to haroldmichaelharvey.com. Keep doing the great work, sir. And, and the, your, your, um, your essays. I want to make sure y'all that I have the essays on the podcast page. I have his website, but his essay page is just excellent. So, um, I just want to thank you, man, for all you do and and giving us insight and, and being a friend of the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You guys be good. All right. Good deal. All right, y'all let's do this. Let's take a quick break. And, uh, Tanya B, you got the tea ready. You got it stirring. Is it hot? Oh, yes. It's it, <laughs> scalding, of course. Yes. <laughs> well, let's do this. Let's go ahead. Let's take a quick break. And uh, we'll be back with Tanya B's two and our special guests. We'll be right back. It's tea time, y'all. Sipping the tea with Tanya B. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. What can you say? Mm. <laughs> that's all. I, yeah, that's that's the way to put it. Just across the board, it's just been one of those weeks. It was a, the Keith song, Keith Sweat song back in the day. Just one of them things. Absolutely. It's, Oh, it's just crazy. It's just right, crazy, crazy. And you know what? Tanya B is here, as you can hear. Uh, and we have a guest to provide some perspective on this um, Astro World tragedy. Um, you know, Tanya B, before we get into like the full hot steaming tea, 
Um, mm-hmm. You heard in, in, in Mike's report um, that the death toll, I think, is now up to nine. Um, yes. So so what's your quick update before? And, and we'll we'll introduce uh, um, Taryn Brown. So many moving pieces. You've got the, the sole lady who's outside of Travis Scott's home protesting. You've got, you know, call this number. I want to hear from you. But he puts up the wrong number. Now, there are just more and more layers of this whole situation. They get peeled back, not daily, but hourly. And, you know, there's a lot, you know, a lot more finger pointing this whole thing with the police claiming that this officer was stuck with the drug filled syringe. They, you know, they backpedaled on that. That did not happen. And I think as, you know, more things are exposed about the incompetence, you know, the improperly trained security officers, the cop that was caught filming the performance while people lay dying. There's so much more about this. But one thing I want to just quickly point out that was brought to my attention is that all these people have bought tickets to this concert. You know, there is, and you know, a lot of times when you buy things, you have to click yes mm-hmm. to even proceed to the purchase. Yep. And of course, Live Nation is using as their get out of jail free card the fact that there's an eight page mm. um, agreement to purchase. Excuse me. Um, you know, that you have to click in order to complete the purchase. You don't want to lose this great seat you found online that they're using to try to absolve themselves from any and all responsibility in this. So it's almost like... It's a waiver. It. <laughs> it's yeah, we're not responsible. But I mean, yeah. I've seen waivers, but I mean, this is a waiver that even says, you know, if you leave the... Co- you know, it, it's on the way to the concert, on the way from the concert, while you're at the concert, if you're in the bathroom, if you're in traffic mm-hmm. to and from the concert. Yeah. You know, all of this. And I think at the end of the day, the plan that was followed or not, Hmm. But also what they didn't have in plan in place was a plan for this type of surge, you know, and I, it's not like they didn't know that it would ever happen. Because, again, we talked about it last week. Yeah. Travis Scott has incidents of, of violence and inciting uh, you know, people to just, you know, short of killing themselves that go back, you know, six years. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I still stick by my statement. I don't have more than, you know, a fingernails ounce of sympathy for him. Okay. No, if it, how do you not know what's going on until the next day? But right. he had no problem going to Dave and Buster's and partying with Drake. So, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, and, and just one more thing, you know, uh, I guess kind of like, um, you know, another portion of this whole thing is that, you know, SZA was in concert and she performed at Astro Worlds earlier in the day. She was in concert last night in Utah mm-hmm. and a fan was in distress. Somebody had passed out. She stopped the show and it was almost like, I don't want to have another Astro world because again, she could get sued for this one because it happened while she was on stage. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with that That's said, it. here's, here's what I want to do. Um, you know, I, I want to introduce Taryn Brown. Uh, Taryn is on the advisory mm-hmm. council and sponsor of the black independent music accelerator initiative uh, developed by American association of independent music. Uh, she's Dallas based. And, and, you know, considering how Atlanta just got their ass kicked by Dallas, I'm not even going to talk about football, Taryn. I'm going to leave that. I'm not even going to say anything about that. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> see, see, don't mess up. You already messing up. So so I, I spent, uh, I, I did spend, I spent seven years in Dallas. Uh, Taryn uh, is uh, definitely an awesome executive. She done, she's done some amazing things. She's worked with artists. Uh, you've advised major artists to, you know, get them to gold, platinum, platinum, multi-platinum. You know, what's your take on Astro World, on the Astro World Fest? And 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 you know, give us your take as it pertains to somebody like Travis Scott. If you were in in the situation where 
you are overseeing the career. What, what's your take? Well, well, Thomas, thank you for um, inviting me on the podcast uh, today. Um, this incident was a tragedy at, at all levels. And, it, you know, it's ironic. I was in New York uh, the weekend it happened, uh, attending the funeral or uh, memorial services for Mr. Ruben Rodriguez, who is an icon in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my my phone was actually blowing up and I wasn't sure what happened. And when I got back Sunday, uh, early Sunday, I start connecting the dots and, and putting this all together. And, you know, I just feel that at this point, it's too early to lay blame all of this on Travis. Um, I like Travis Scott. Uh, I'm into the culture in terms of what, what they're doing. Uh, the week of the Astro Fest uh, concert series, he was doing so much good work in the community uh, in terms of uh, helping the inner city neighborhood that he grew up in. He was working on, I believe, some basketball courts with the, the city of Houston. But there has to be a deeper investigation from the bottom up. I'm talking about from from Live Nation, uh, the city of Houston, their permitting process, their control plan. I mean, if you go on the city of Houston's website and any city, there are certain forms and all kinds of things that have to be filled out before an event uh, gets the green light to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so something happened that we really need to figure out because it's for the betterment of the concert and the entertainment industry as a whole. You yeah, know, COVID yeah. is 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 hopefully we're we're seeing the last end of it and people are getting out. We can't control young people's excitement as concert goers. We we were in the same shoes when when they were young. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis is known for his high energy performances, mm-hmm. uh, especially at a pandemic. In a pandemic, you know, I was at a concert. I was invited to a concert over a month ago. I was a guest for the Legend Levin, the Legend Living Legends tour with Jeezy. Uh, Two Change, Rick Ross, Gucci, and people were going crazy. Yeah. And it was a spectrum of old and new. Yeah. But fundamentally, what the problem is is that black executives on the pop, from pop, hip hop, R and B, and the and the entire entertainment community don't have a seat at the table in dealing with these young artists. And what I would tell Travis right now, your question Mm -hmm. is to hire some people around him that know the business, that understand his culture and will say no when, when, when the situation presents itself, because I heard that I heard that happen and they had some management and now they're speaking out. And part of what I'm hearing, a common thread, and this is a problem with a lot of these younger artists, is that they just don't listen. Do you think that's the case? Take that into account as well. Well, 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 Tanya, I still say just based upon what what I'm seeing now in terms of my role from working on the label side to the management side, there are not enough of us as artist managers 
working, even, you know, even if an artist, you know, back in the day, you would have concert promoters and record promoters that take these artists to the next level. And then they, 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 they abandon what they've, they've had in, in terms of the root foundation. And yes, they do need to listen, but we need to be in the streaming companies. We need to be in touring organizations. We need to be helping to run venues because it's about sustainability and longevity of an artist's career. And incidents like this really hurt the artist. It hurts the industry as a whole. And at the end of the day, it is about economics. Yeah. So, my advice to Travis again would be to make sure that he's surrounding himself with executives who know the business. And you do have to listen. If I was managing Travis, I'd be just like his mother. Yeah. I have a 25-year-old producer. They're young. I understand the 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 new the new generation, but he needs somebody to be in his camp that's going to sit him down on a one-on-one and really, really explain it to him. Superstar or not. Eddie Murphy's dad said, I know you're Eddie Murphy, but when you come home, you're going to take out the trash. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. As, as did LL Cool J's grandmother. Still, you know, you might go out there and knock him out, but go take out the trash. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and yeah, I'll I, say this. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I'll say this. Um, I think, you know, Taryn, you've been in, how long have you been in the business, you know, in terms of dealing? I've been in the business over 25 years. Over 25 years. Yeah. All levels of the industry. I've worked on the record side. I was Pebble's manager. I was TLC's manager for a short time in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I have enormous experience and as well as working with uh, events and on the city and, and government levels, I was the policy advisor for Dallas's mayor pro tem. I handle crisis management. So my experience is not only on the music side, but the government relations side, as well as the corporate side. Mm -hmm. So you come in like Olivia Pope. (laughs) So, so, so so let me ask you to be able to have uh, the wide range of experiences, uh, media relations, the whole nine, because at this point, it, it's it's crisis management one on one. And you have people that are scrambling now. And I just I feel sorry for Travis. Uh, I hope to be able to reach out to him personally, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the uh, mayor of Houston uh, and the people that are looking at trying to investigate this issue, uh, as well as uh, I'm volunteering to be on any kind of committee that the state uh, uh, or the city, local city, municipality uh, is is forming for this investigation. OK, well, let me ask you this. And I, and I appreciate you coming on and, and especially at the last minute. So I don't want to take too much of your time. But, you know, the last question I want to ask you is and I don't want you to give up the secret sauce because because every you know <laughs> crisis management person has their way of doing things. But considering the impact that this will have on the future of these type of artists going out doing festival shows um, and getting insurance, get, you know, or even being able to get on these types of shows. Um, what do you think needs to be done now to correct the situation so it won't happen again? 
I think there there needs to be some industry, some strong industry standards put in place mm-hmm. uh, for the concert community. You don't um, think they're there already? You don't feel that? Obviously, obviously, Thomas, they, every situation is different. Let mm-hmm. me just say that. Yeah. And I think it may have to you may have to look at it on an artist by artist basis and look at, you know, the crowd control um, uh, protocol and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it may not be a one size fits all situation. But I think it does have to start with, you know, who the artist is, the type of concerts, as well as uh, looking at the at basic crowd control procedures. Yeah. So true. And there may have to be a high, higher level of that looking into consideration or being considered when you're when you're doing this, these massive concerts, because we're still trying to find out exactly how many people were in attendance. Oh, now, oh. I heard the number was 50,000, but I heard they held, they sold more tickets. There was a rush, obviously a breach uh, of the security protocol early in the concert uh, uh, timeline. So, again, it, it 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 needs that first that investigation and of course this is going to affect concerts um worldwide as well as the rap community you know it's always you know the rap community gets this black eye uh but live nation uh had some issues at the country concert uh a few years ago in Vegas, they pulled off that concert yeah. where uh, those people were killed in Vegas. Yeah, so true. So, uh, again, there has to be uh, a total uh, look at this uh, from the ground level. Good deal. Just want to thank you, Taryn Brown, uh, for coming in. I, you know, I give you uh, your applause and uh, and, and also I give you our air horn. Too. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, you that get the, is that you, is fabulous. You thank get the you. official air horn, but you know, thank you so much. How can people get in touch with you? What's uh, what's the website? My website is Taryn Brown T A R Y N Brown C O dot com. So it's Taryn Brown C O dot com, and my email is there on the site. If anyone would need needs to get in touch with me, uh, feel free to do so. Thank Taren you so much, Taryn. At TarynBrownCo.com. Again, thank you so much. We uh, we greatly appreciate you coming on. Excellent insight, and uh, and look forward, you know, to hearing you get involved in this. I think you'll do good. I think you'll do very good. Ab- absolutely, I'm looking forward to it. Good thank deal. You. Take care. Thank you so much. And you know what? Uh, would you say hello to Dak? <laughs> Hi, <laughs> Dak, Dak Prescott, and tell him not to, you know. Oh yeah, Dak. Well, 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 I forgot to shout out to Shreveport, Louisiana, oh, and okay. yeah. Southern University, oh, my yeah. alma mater. And and Dak is about uh, yeah. twenty minutes from Shreveport. He grew up in Blanchard, Louisiana. Oh, good stuff. Near Shreveport, so good, that's good my stuff. homeboy. Excellent, excellent. Take care, Tara. Oh, All right, good deal. We'll take that. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> Damn. And she would come on and mention the Cowboys. As we taped today, what was the score? 43 K Dub? <laughs> That's how yeah, they get it. Was I, it was terrible. It was terrible. It was almost like when you when when you're a kid <laughs> and you play kickball and, and the team, you know, is skunk. And yeah, <laughs> you, skunk. you say skunk at halftime. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Tanya B, hey, I, I I know you got more. Um and, and I just again wanna wanna say thanks. Let me let me give her an applause. 
and, and thank her for coming on. Again, um, you know, Taryn Brown, I'll make sure I have her email or uh, actually, uh, actually the website. Uh, I'll have that available for y'all on, on the podcast page. Great insight. Excellent insight. But Tanya B, let's go ahead and roll. What you got on, on, on the T? We, we, you know, and, and I'm telling you, I'm looking at the T right now. We got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of stuff that went oh, down this that's week. That's not even the half of it. You know, there's so much going on. But before I go any further, the first thing I do want to say mm-hmm. is happy born day to one of the few EGOTs that we have in this business. And that would be the Queen Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, Give her her flowers oh, yes. while she is yet here. Big time. Love Whoopi. I saw the, uh, I saw the promo for The View. Uh, for the celebration they did on the View, and uh, I'm glad yeah. that she's got that kind of profile because I mean, and and congrats to the the View, the show is number one. So congrats, and and I'm I'm glad that she's doing her thing and still, you know, I get I've, I've forgiven her for Ted dancing. So uh, yeah, Whoopi, do your thing. I shouldn't no. even mention <laughs> that. <laughs> I forgive her for the movie. What was it? The movie Eddie. I forgive her for that. No, wait a minute. Eddie was all right compared to Ted dancing. <laughs> But anyway, all right. What else you got? What else you got in T? Jump on in. Uh, you know this whole thing with this. I call it the Christopher Williams health hoax. And I know he's been battling some health issues. He had a really bad bout a couple of years ago with shingles, and most people get them, oh, you know, man. in the in their waistline area in the lower uh, back. My mom had shingles. It was devastating. So I, it, it's oof, mm. devastating. Well, he had them. From the neck up. So wow. imagine that your face, your hair, your scalp, your mm. ears. It can, and Tanya B, very uncomfortable. it can blind you. It can blind you. It can take your sight away. You know that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he really had an issue with it. And he's been living down in the Atlanta area. And then here comes, and I talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And you know, his so-called cousin, Albie Shore, who has also still come again, come forward again with this whole Kim Order, you know, murder hoax, you know, not hoax, mm. investigation, whatever. He this claim he has, mm-hmm. but he's claiming he. I'm calling for a full scale investigation. But well, if that's the case, you need to pay for it. But I just say, I'll be sure. Is just I'll be quiet. <laughs> and here again is another incident where you know he was one of, uh, I guess maybe say the purveyors of this whole uh, allegation that Christopher Williams was in a coma. Wow, that was crazy. You know. Yeah, and then, okay, so this is your cousin. Why would you even put that out there in the atmosphere? So Albie Shaw is quickly becoming the boy who cried wolf. And, you know, and again with Chris with the shingles, and apparently what uh, has been brought to my attention is that he was hospitalized with COVID. Wow. Now, we all know if you have some other underlying health issue, COVID really can just, it can take you out, you know, at the end of the day. And that it's not completely abnormal for someone to, deal with going into a coma when they have COVID as they turn the corner. Mm-hmm. Now, when you languish in the coma, it's one thing, you know, and if you don't come out of it as quickly as, you know, like this, the norm might be, it's another thing. But then the main thing he had to deal with is blood clots. And we know how serious blood clots can be. Yeah. 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 Wow. You know, so, you know, again, he's not in a coma. He's resting comfortably. I'm sure, you know, he's going to have kind of, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, a tough road coming back and let's hope that, you know, his voice has not been affected because, you know, at the end of the day, he might have had some, you know, some issues with his personal life. But you got to give the brother credit. That dude can sing. Not sing. He can oh, sing. He's excellent. I mean, I saw um, God, I saw Christopher Williams. Well, actually, uh, back in what 2016, he did a one man show. 
and uh, yes. a, a house band was actually um, hired for him. And he was supposed to rehearse with the house band, but he completely missed the rehearsals. He came in and did it from scratch, just and and nobody noticed anything. It was excellent. And uh, wow. my and it, it was just amazing. You know, you you do need to at least get timing down and things like that. Came mm-hmm. in, no rehearsals, and just killed it. It was probably one of the best shows I'd seen that year. So he's a talented brother. I, I, I just hope that this, uh, whatever he's going through, doesn't impact his ability to continue to get shows. So I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I just, one more thing I'll just say I say, if nothing else, I would give him an extra five on it and get well soon because anybody who could deal with Stacey Dash and her <laughs> lunacy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, he gets extra cool points for that because you can't tell me dealing with her would not give anybody PTSD. You know, yeah. so, so true. So true. So true. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know so. Okay. All right. We so what you got put next? Put him on a prayer list. What? And then I want to, I want to talk about, um, you know, everybody loves Gladys Knight. Um, from the, I say from the rooter to the tutor, you know, she married a second time and she was married to Barry Hankerson, who everyone probably knows is the uncle of Aaliyah. He had black round records, which I understand he has um, rebooted, you know, and he's got some interesting history with him. However, Gladys Knight let her son Shanga Hankerson manage the chicken and waffles. At one point, there was one up in D.C., Maryland area, and there were two in the Atlanta area. Wow. Okay. Okay. Everybody's not meant and built for that. And I don't think he was. You know, at one point it got so bad, the Board of Health was closing that place down so often it was closed more than it was open. Employees weren't getting paid. Shanga was taking, allegedly, taking money out of their checks, but he was keeping the money and not, you know, paying it to the state, mm, you know, mm. state and federal, you know, taking care of the taxes. Um, I do know someone who worked there who had a, a great deal of management experience when they came to restaurants. Mm, mm, okay. That person left because they couldn't take it anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, then he just used that, I guess, the restaurant's, uh, cash register as his personal ATM. You know, he was turning up and partying and probably doing a lot of things he shouldn't have been doing. Wasn't taking care of business. Um, the authorities t- attempted to reach out to him to, you know, get a payment program. And I just say, if you don't believe that they will not come after you, ask Tebow Bryson, ask Jermaine Dupree, ask Ron Isley. Yeah. They all ended up having to pay. Yeah. Wesley Snipes had to pay. Amazing. So now, yeah, we fast forward. The uh, authorities raided his home and the restaurant. Took They even took, I remember the news showing uh, them taking his car and seizing that on a flatbed. And he was allegedly out of the country, portying. Oh, man. And uh, now he's going to jail. And it, was, it had just gotten so bad where Gladys actually sued him to get her name off of that. And, you know, that, I mean, who wants to sue their child? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. And now Shanga is going to jail. Now, I know there are a lot more, you know, a lot of other things, a lot more serious than what he's done. But again, you know, you have to realize that no one's going to get rewarded for bad behavior. And luckily, it didn't tarnish the legacy of Gladys Knight. I think anybody in and around Atlanta knew her son was, (laughs) what'd you say, off the chain? And I'll leave it at that. But yeah, he's going to jail. And hopefully he will learn from this. Now, what else? You know, I don't know what he'll bounce back and do because he never really had a a great deal of business savvy. Maybe he'll go work with his dad again. I don't know. But I'll just say this. There was a time when coming to Atlanta meant you went to Gladys Knight's Chicken and Waffles and you wanted to get in there and you would wait Mm -hmm. and you would wait. 
and you would wait. And, uh, you know, it's a shame because um, I actually, when I drive by Peachtree now, it's some kind of, uh, like, it's a shame. It's like artificial crab leg, <laughs> artificial crab leg restaurant. Wow. Wow. That's but crazy. anyway, yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. And I'm sure Gladys probably is embarrassed, but I think Gladys is just tired of him. Yeah. I can and, imagine. You know, she probably is. Are. Yeah. Yeah. What you got next? Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to talk about Will Smith. West Philadelphia, born and raised. And as I made my way to the DMV, I was in Philadelphia when he did uh, his event, Will Smith and Friends at the Met. Place was packed. It's interesting. You see just, you know, the, 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 the mixing of the ages and the races, and it just shows how much of, you know, really international appeal Will Smith has. Uh, you know, even had like some of his teachers out there from high school and middle school, you know, that came out and things along that line. You know, the host was Queen Latifah. And I said, I would have loved it if they'd have gotten up there and done a little something, something. And, you know, he did, you know, I, he did the theme to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And of course, DJ Jazzy Jeff was there on the one and two. Good stuff. You know, and it was interesting, but he's, you know, he's got a lot going on right now. You know, take, uh, I'm not even talking about the, the stuff with his wife and his children and that whole thing, but just with this book, just being transparent. And talking about, you know, I feel like a coward. I felt like I failed people and you know, things along that line. It takes a lot to, you know, to really uh, to bear, you know, I say bear your behind, so to speak. And he's being very transparent with the book, which, you know, I give him credit for. And hopefully it'll help somebody. And the one thing I like that he said about this was people just see Will Smith, you know, award winning, you know, hip hop artists and the TV show and the movies and all the fame and the glory and all of this. And, it's, you know, pe- what people don't see and I think part of what he's trying to give a snapshot into is just what goes on behind the scenes. Every day's not a great day. I'm sure there were a lot of roles that he didn't get. Yeah, so true. So a lot true. of deals that he, you know, didn't or couldn't close, you know, things along that line. And then when you're in, you know, such a high profile person, it can, of course, you know, affect the dynamic of your home and your family. And he said he was really uh, hurt when his son, Jaden, uh, asked to be emancipated. You know, he felt he failed as a parent. Yeah. So King Richard is out on HBO Max. That's coming um, Friday. Yeah, ne- next Friday. week, November 19th. He's got that. He's got the book out. He's got um, this series, six-part series coming to Nat Geo after the first of the year. So you know, he's got a lot of good things going on. And again, I just applaud him for uh, you know being transparent and being real and just you know saying that every day is not a great day. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, just a couple of quick things. Um, and then, you know, if we missed anything, we'll come back to you at the end of the show. But Queens, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, the Atlanta oh, Constitution. Oh, yeah. yeah, the AJC said that the show's really fallen and it's down to about 1.2 million viewers. Uh, that That's the uh, overnight Nielsen ratings. Uh, it has become the lowest rated scripted show in the, uh, the new fall lineup. And um, it's in jeopardy of not necessarily being canceled in mid-season because I think they've ordered already 13 episodes. Uh, the thing that I think that they're really in jeopardy of right now is is actually just a you know cancellation after the season. So if if you're a fan of the show, if you like the show, which you know I, I think it deserves to be on, uh, regardless of where you think or we think it needs to be in terms of uh, you know because it's PG thirteen. Um, if yes. you, you think it needs a, you know an opportunity to go to an MA rating, still you know we you know these opportunities that come especially to these type these forty. 40-ish actresses, uh, you know, they're, they're few and far between, you know, so within our demo, I guess is the best way to put it. So if you like the show, watch it, you know, that's all I have to say. You know, that's, that's all you can do. You got to tell people to watch the show. 
I mean, that, that's that. I know we got to say we got a hashtag save our queens. It's yeah. filmed in Atlanta. And you also have to take into account, you know, because of COVID and how that industry really was just decimated. You've got a lot of people behind the scenes that are now back to work. And we want to keep these folks working and employed. So true. So true. Uh, and also um, HBO, which I think is excellent. This is uh, something this is why I keep HBO and I remain a subscriber. That's not an endorsement or anything like that. But Black and Missing, uh, the docuseries is coming out. Uh, Soledad O'Brien is involved in this project. Uh, it debuts on November 23rd, Set Your DVR. It exposes the disparity in media coverage between white and black, you know, missing persons cases. And they're going to be looking at a few cases. So uh, November 23rd, Black and Missing on HBO. Definitely make sure you check that out or, or DVR. I'm going to make sure I save it. You know, on my on my Hulu, on my DVR. And uh, shout out to the folks at Insecure. Lawrence and his baby mama trials and <laughs> tribulations was just off the chain. HBO, that was crazy. And uh, I'm going to give my passing, uh, the passing uh, movie on Netflix. My review is going to be coming up in a few minutes in, in Tommy's Corner. But, um, you know, just a really great time for uh, for black creatives. You see all the I mean, look at the content that we've had this year. It's, it's, it's just a. A really good time. Any, any um, well, let's go ahead and do this. Um, let's hit Tommy's said, corner because oh, we've had a crazy one more. week. Yeah, go ahead. There's one more we have forgot. Don't forget uh, Amazon Prime, December third, um, Harlem with uh, Making Good and Grace Byers. It's Excellent. kind of like a, a modern day living single. So December third, we got again support them. Here we have you know four black women, professional women. Okay. Uh, you know, navigating love, career, relationships. But you know, let's please um, support Amazon Prime series Harlem. Friday, December 3rd, write it down, record it, support it. Good deal. All right, let's do, um, I did, a, you know, I, I went ahead and checked out Passing. Um, so so let me let me give you my review. Here we go. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Tommy's Corner. The movie Passing made its Netflix debut this week, so I took the time to check it out. Passing deals with racial identity in a beautiful, dreamlike, black and white cinematic vehicle, which ironically is perfect for the story. It's based on a book written by black author Nella Larson back in 1929. The black and white cinematography, the soundtrack, the costumes, uh, superior acting, uh, the optimism of the Harlem Renaissance, all this is just simple. I mean, it's mesmerizing. It pulls you in. But in my opinion, it's also a tale of good and evil. Whether you're Team Irene, which is Tessa Thompson's character, or Rennie, as she's called by the character Claire, played by Ruth Nega, or Team Claire, a complicated passing black woman who opens up in a way that that's potentially detrimental to her existence. Who wins, who's good or evil, really depends on your point of view. Thompson and Nega are magical in bringing these characters to life on the screen. A warning, if you come to passing only for the physical aspects of features that really allows one to pass, you'll probably miss the message of the movie. Without giving it all away, I'll refer to a line from Tessa Thompson's character. We're all passing in one way or another. I strongly recommend you take the time to watch passing. Beware, it's a slow burn. Find the time to watch it when you can truly pay attention to the subtleties of the messages. Expect to hear this movie mentioned throughout award season a lot. It's just that good. This has been Tommy's Corner. Hey, and you can follow us on Facebook, IG, Twitter, TikTok. And all you have to do is go to castropolis.net. Um, click the banner where you see our podcast and uh, everything you need is there. Um, any, any final thoughts from the panel? I'll start with you, Tanya B. You got any final thoughts? 
I, I, I know I've heard a lot of hype about it. I've seen Tessa Thompson promoting passing quite a bit, and I do want to absolutely check it out, you know, because that happened, I think, a lot more than, than people knew. And then you had people like uh, Imitation of Life, you know, the person where they have, you know, the offspring or the sibling who can pass, and then they have, you know, the darker complected other relative and just how, you know, how they had to kind of shun their own to try to, you know, have some quality of life. So, you know, I think and that, that's one of those things. I really feel that, you know, these, the younger, these young children, mm-hmm. you know, I say that the millennials and the Gen Xs and Ys that they, they really have no concept of. And I think it's a great history lesson. So I, I applaud, you know, the movie for even being made. You know what, and let I'm me, let me, yeah, let me say this, it. Tanya B about, um, because a lot of people will come in for the physical aspects. They want to see, well, how good did they pass? You know, but it really, and what I love about the movie is it's really a psychological study of how it impacts people's psyche, the, the mental part. You know, the other thing I like about this movie is that it is set in the Harlem Renaissance and it's set among black people. You know what I mean? Not a situation where it's, um, even if it's set, but it's us being violated in every scene, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It, it's not one of these movies where you're sitting on edge wondering when the torture's going to hit. <laughs> you know, it really, it really is about Black people living their daily lives in Harlem. And, and that's really, I want to see more movies mm-hmm. that really reflect Black people living in the time communicating among themselves versus being you know, tortured, tracked down, hung, lynched, you know, let's, let's see. And that's what made the movie, in my opinion, there's some, you know, elements you can't get away from it because it's part of the, you know, it's part of the landscape, but that's the great thing I loved about passing was, you know, it really, that period, you don't see any movies that even talk about Langston Hughes, which you haven't even seen. There has not even been a, been a, a true docudrama on Langston Hughes in that period. And it was a period, a positive period. That, that you don't see much of. So, so that's the other thing, even though, you know, we're dealing with um, a, a tense, controversial topic. It's interesting. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. There's more to it than you think. When you watch it, you'll see. Okay. Uh, K-Dub, you got any other thoughts, man? Oh, uh, man, I was just thinking uh, uh, what Taryn was talking about earlier. I hope that Travis uh, Scott incident is a lesson in, in, the entertain- entertainment world learns from it because I'm still like tripping that that would happen at a concert. I've heard the stuff, but like I said, I don't even still trying to figure out what happened and what they just got hyped and yeah. went crazy. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I've been to concerts since I was three, four, five years old. Don't see them all from the biggest, would never imagine nothing like that. Yeah. Just where they just get out of control. I could see if a fight broke out or guns was, or this it's, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's the craziest one. So true. Yeah. I agree. What about you, Wyle? Any final thoughts? Yeah, I want to close out with a piece. Okay. I know um, you were speaking about the Harlem Renaissance, and we have a we have one of our very own, uh, John Oliver Killens, who was uh, born in Macon, Georgia, who was a part of the Harlem's uh, the um, the um, Harlem Harlem's Writers Guild. Yeah, yeah the, oh, I couldn't get it yeah, out. Yeah, they mentioned yeah he was one of the co-founders, like with Henry, John Henry Clark and, and some other people. So, um, yeah, I got to check that passing out. Um, but the poem I'm about to do is not about him. It's I know y'all are always like, you know, laughing at me, talking about I was like four years old. <laughs> and um, this one right here 
was um inspired. Well, it has a little taste of a uh, Natalie Cole, and and I know I probably was. Maybe oh, don't even, don't even say it. Don't even say piece. it. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Wyo. It's ahead. called Love Makes Me Feel. Do your thing. I've got love on my mind. Whoa, whoa. I've got love on my mind all the time. And it's not always the kiss, kiss kind. I've got love for my people and nature, except for roaches. I stomp and spray them. And rats, I trap. But yeah, 98% of the time, I've got love on my mind. It's that genuine Georgia peach type, all right? I'd rather have love on my mind. It makes me feel free instead of in bondage. I've got love on my mind, even for the enemy. What should it matter to me? Good stuff. And it's always, my pieces are kind of long, so I, you know, I just do Um, like a snippet of it. You know, nice. (laughs) Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Damn, and she put some Natalie Cole up in it. Kind of put put a foot yeah. up in the Natalie Cole. I got love on my mind. Go ahead, go ahead, there, Wild. Hey, I y'all, reaching for my base, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, we, we got to do something together. You keep saying that. You know? I'm saying. Oh, okay, right, let me set up then and do it. Hey, shout That's out right. to uh, snaps up. Shout snaps out, up. Speaking All of that, speaking of snaps up and everything, I got to say you shout know, out to eat. South Africa. Um, they sent me a story. Um, and this is crazy, but in in Soweto, um, they just had an arrest of somebody had body parts in their fridge. And, oh my goodness! Yeah, so so shout out, you know, and you know, and that's I, I appreciate them listening. They they send me stuff that's happening like on on um, you know, in, on the continent. So uh, I, I I appreciate that. So all, you know, immediately I start thinking, damn, Jeffrey Dahmer's still alive. But mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, shout out. To, I want to say shout out to uh, South Africa for definitely for checking us out, for listening. Go ahead, Tanya. But you had something. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Can we say shout out to Silk Sonic? Don't forget they will be performing at the 2021 Soul Train Awards live from the legendary Apollo Theater in New York. Also, Anderson, and this is interesting. Anderson Park, who we know, is a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, he started a new label. It's called Ape Shunk Records, but it's the Anderson Park experience and the rest and the other stuff. But here's the gag. A lot of people won't qualify because to meet qualifications to be considered, you have to have talent, but you also have to play your own instruments. And we know that really is going to exclude a lot of people. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, let, me, let me say, you know, if you have not had a chance to listen to the Silk Sonic album, you should. And that's, you know, no matter if, uh, and I always use the phrase, if you're in the demo in our, <laughs> in our age group or anybody, man, it's just, for me, it is, it is a treat. It's amazing. You know, and, and I listen to all types of music. I mean, like Taryn, you know, she's familiar and she stays on top of what's happening, you know, from Rick Ross and, you know, Jeezy, uh, Travis Scott. But to hear, I'm just so glad that there are people like, Bruno, who are still kind of carrying the torch. And I know, you know, on the Birdwire, Tanya B, you're playing Temptations, you're playing Whispers. And I think the more Bruno does that, um, the more that uh, Silk Sonic, the more they do that, the more it helps these artists that actually started it continue with their careers because absolutely you know, because, they're struggling to get on the radio yeah, they are most mm-hmm. of them can't get on the radio but there is a real struggle they still work they still sell tickets but new music you know that whole the format that they built has just morphed into something that's not 
adult anymore. Yeah, it's just amazing. That that album, quality-wise, lyrically, just execution. I don't think I've heard an album done that well. Um, I haven't heard an album done that well in years. I really haven't. I mean, and, and yeah, I'm, they, they don't put nothing out. I mean, what's been coming out other oh than garbage? Yeah, yeah. And and it's funny because the rappers, some I forgot which rapper, somebody from Wu Tang said Wu, yeah. they want to do a collaboration, but they already trying to figure out how to sample. <laughs> they already trying to say, hey, how can we, how can I get you know, hip hop's already listening to the album, say you know, hey, there may be some stuff on here we can sample. But I got to give it up yeah. to. I mean, let me let me just go on and and give them. Yeah, Silk Sonic. That Silk Sonic album is just damn. Yeah, I really like that one with uh Bootsy and Thundercat. Oh, That's pretty groovy. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, I, I think K Dub. You know, being a real true blue musician, like how refreshing is it for you to even hear something like this mm. that is not painful or takes you back to a time when we had albums and you would drop the needle on cut one and you didn't skip a cut. You just let it play. I have it yeah, on repeat. And, <laughs> and can hear instruments and pick up a guitar or a bass and say, let me learn this part. <laughs> That's refreshing. The drum, it's just... It, yeah. I, that's all I got to say. And, and you know what? I cannot thank all of you enough for listening to the live taping, downloading the show every week. This week, we had... we had a, I will say, uh, for those of you who, who may have been streaming this week, um, there, there had you know we had some technical issues at the beginning of the streaming, the live show. Um, but definitely check us out on the download, uh, go to the podcast and, and I'll make sure, well, it's all on our page. You know where it is. Go to the website, go to castropolis.net forward slash. This is the G podcast, get the podcast there, but we record it. Uh, and, and in the future weeks, it should be clarified, but, uh, with the, uh, with the streaming service, uh, it was, it was off a bit in the beginning. I think it corrected itself right in the middle. So there you go. Don't, don't leave. It's going to be. It's going to be good on the live stream. Uh, see, those are the folks who try to get in early <laughs> before we cut stuff. <laughs> they, they, want, they want to hear everything. So so we appreciate you listening, but definitely check out the podcast and that's always available to you. And please share it with your friends. You know, if you, if you like what we do, share it so we can continue to grow uh, into the new year. Really appreciate that. So Y.O., thank you so much for what you do. Um, K-Dub, thank you so much for what you do. Of course, the one and only Tanya B, thank you so much for what you do. Keep doing your thing with the Birdwire and, uh, and definitely we'll keep promoting the Birdwire as well. I want to thank our, our guest, um, uh, Taryn Brown. Uh, damn, damn, Taryn had to mention she from Dallas on the, on a day like today. But anyway, <laughs> no, no, but in her defense, let me say this. No, and I will Falcons say this. No, again, slammed. she talked about some of the major artists no, she's I mean, worked I, with. Trust me, I'm joking. One of her artists, Sanaj, came to one of the events that yes, we did. Her yes, music has been played on the Birdwire. And yeah. again, this is, you know, an open door for independent artists. So we would have to thank Taryn for sending you know, that talented young lady, not only to our event, but allowing us to share the music on, yeah. the, on the Birdwire show. Absolutely. And also thank you to uh, Harold Michael Harvey for doing his thing as always and being a friend of the show, y'all. So, you know, with that being said, again, y'all enjoy the cooler weather. If you're in an area where you can enjoy the, the how, do, how do you say it, the foliage, like I we am in snow. Georgia. We got snow today. What? Oh, wow. oh, yeah, I'm looking I'm looking at the football game. I'm, I'm checking out, you know, I got the, the football games on the uh, on the big screen and, um, and, and I'm seeing snow in, in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And by the way, before I go, do you think we got Cam a gig? from talking about him last week because he just <laughs> they hired him 
in North Carolina, at, 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 you know, with the Panthers. And you know what the yeah. score was? 34 to 10. They beat Arizona. So I got to yeah. give it up. I'm glad the Cam is back. You put it in the air. Yes, we did, because I had no idea that that was even on the table. I had no idea. And uh, I just, I just, you know, I'm happy that Cam is back in North Carolina. But damn, to come, dude came back with a tuxedo on, by the way. He got off the bus uh, going to, you know, to play. 34 to 10, they took down Arizona, which is one of the, you know, Arizona, one of the top teams in the league. Yeah. So with that, y'all, we appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for the support. And with that, this is the G Podcast. Episode 104 is in the can, and we are out of here. Peace. Peace. Pandemic right, is rising. COVID rising, y'all. Mask up. It's Mask not up. over. Big time. Take care, y'all. You've been listening to the G Podcast with your host, Tommy B. The G Podcast is a production of the Castropolis Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.